Welcome to Cover Stories, the podcast where we talk to musicians we like about music they love. I'm your host, Eric, and every week I invite different artists to cover a song of their choice and discuss what it means to them. This week we have Alex Sutherland of the Alex Sutherland Project covering St. Thomas by Sonny Rollins. In addition to talking about Sonny Rollins' influence on him, we also talk about Alex's journey as a musician, playing in the SeaWorld party band, becoming the band leader of UTSA's unofficial jazz band, his time playing at a dueling piano bar, joining a ska band with connections to All-American Rejects, opening up and collaborating with Grammy Award-nominated San Antonian's Nothing More, and how he uses technology to teach his students as an orchestra director and assistant band director at a local middle school. Be sure to check out Alex's music at Alex Sutherland Music on Instagram, and check out his 90s cover band on Facebook, The Return. This is Cover Stories. All right. So today we've got Alex Sutherland. Um, He is a, a jazz saxophonist. How's it going? It's going good. So Alex, hot. oh yeah, it's super hot outside. Not sexually, but just hot because I'm. I mean, sweaty. a little bit of both. I can see that. Yeah, he just got here from a gig. So, uh, so yeah, how, how'd the gig go? It went well. Me and John Spears did a uh, duo gig and outside at this uh, flea market kind of thing. Oh, cool! And uh, it's called R R and J's so, like saloon flea market. I don't know farmers market, not flea market. Sorry. No, but pretty well. People liked it. It was just a uh, backing tracks, trumpet and sax, and oh, cool. Yeah. That's you can cool. Explore a lot with that. <laughs> awesome. Well, today uh, Alex is going to be doing a cover of Saint Thomas by Sonny Rollins. Yeah. What made you decide to do this song? I decided on this song particularly because my jazz instructor um, Morgan King, he was my saxophone teacher at, at UTSA. So, just a little bit of history behind him and I, or myself, in the, going into jazz. I didn't really get involved in the playing saxophone tremendously until like my junior year of high school. I mean, we went to high school together, yeah. so you know what, what I was going through then uh, with the crazy raver hair. But, um, <laughs> and um, I really got serious around junior high or junior, junior in high school and got to college and I met Morgan King and I heard him play and I decided I want to be a jazz musician, like for sure, for sure. Uh, I got into music program at UTSA and that was one of the tunes he told me I needed the transcribe the very first ones it was oh, that cool. and of course giant steps and i didn't want yeah. to come to the podcast going let's do giant steps <laughs> because every i mean everybody does that so i decided on saint thomas which is probably another cliche jazz song to cover but um i that was one of my very first trips transcriptions and a transcription is where i i listened to the original recording of sonny rollins that plays it he also wrote the piece and um i sat down on the piano and I think the tuning of it back then was 438 hertz, and the tuning on the recording was a little bit off, too, because of the speed of the recording, the record itself going into digital. Uh-huh. And so I went on the piano that's perfectly tuned at UTSA, and I'm trying to figure it out and how to slow it down and, and pick note for note what he was actually playing. And then I had to study it, why he's playing these notes that were just all at random. So I learned the entire piece, I, uh, which is very short. But the solo is really long and very difficult. Yeah. And so I'm not going to play the original recording uh, or the original uh, solo because I, I, that defeats the purpose of my performance today, I think. Okay. But um, 
I chose that because it was my very first jazz um, uh, transcription. It was something that my instructor, Morgan King, told me to do often and a lot of. And I spent a, a good two weeks trying to figure out all the notes that Sonny Rollins was playing. And um, being someone that wasn't really musically inclined but wanted to be in music, I had to work really, really hard for that. So I take a lot of pride in that song. And every time I think about someone that says they're a jazz musician, I ask if they know St. Thomas. And if they say no, then I, I, they're not a jazz musician because they have to know that song. is one, yeah. one of the great pieces of repertoire out there, especially for a saxophone player. So. Yeah, it's funny you say Giant Steps because I in doing research for this song, Giant Steps is treated like Stairway to Heaven. Like, yeah, okay, it really man, is. Giant Steps. Yeah, like if they were, if you could test saxophones at like a guitar center or like a saxophone center or whatever, that have they'd have a No Giant Steps sign or something. Yeah, or some Charlie Parker tune like Opry Vob or something yeah. like that. But yeah, um, no, it's it's interesting with this song um, because I, I mean, I. I'm limited in jazz as far as what I know and everything I know is from my, my parents, uh, my dad specifically, and he's a huge Coltrane fan. And I just thought Coltrane was so cool. And I'm familiar with Sonny Rollins, but I, I feel like he people he he doesn't get enough credit as he deserves because he's kind of in that same time frame. But at the same time, he's also so significant that the people who know know, and the people who don't like you know, it's really easy to get into. Right. Um, there was a, a like a top fifty saxophonist of all time list I found. He was number three behind Coltrane and Parker. Yeah, um, you normally play tenor sax. That's your go to, right? That's my go to. Yeah, that's my that's where everybody calls me for is to play tenor. Mm-hmm. What do you? That's your favorite to play as well. Yeah, I mean, it depends on the on the style I play, mm-hmm. like or I'm I'm hired for or trying to write. But I mean, if it was like anybody wants to hire me for something automatically go to do you want me to play tenor because that's what i'm yeah. known for and that's what i really that's what i've studied most of my time or that's what i spend most of my time studying is how to play the tenor saxophone in its full range capacity style wise and everything so that's cool man um how many instruments do you play all of them all of them uh i can play guitar i play guitar i was at um how the moon for like seven and a half years so i had to learn how to play bass i le- had to learn how to play drums um and then, uh, I, I mean, of course, I learned piano and, and keyboard in uh, college. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I fiddled around in high school playing guitar and playing, um, like, percussion instruments, like yeah. marimba, xylophone with the, with the pit and everything like that. And did so again in college. And so I eventually I learned I pretty much can play all the woodwinds. Uh, that's oboe, flute, clarinet, saxophone, um, I haven't tried bassoon yet, but I'm pretty sure I can play it because it's, it's almost like a big everything oboe. else. It's like a big oboe, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I can play the tr- brass instruments, trumpet, trombone, baritone, euphonium, same thing, uh, tuba, and of course all the percussion instruments, drum set, snare, bass, you know. I had to be that as a director too, so I had to learn all that. Yeah, you're, you're a band director at, uh, can we say the middle school that you? Yeah, oh, sure. Okay. Um, I, sh- I teach at Schlatter Intermediate School. It's over in Cibolo, S-E-U-C-I-S-D. And um, I'm the, actually the orchestra director. Oh, cool. So this is my fourth year as orchestra director there, but I'm also the assistant band director with the, uh, uh, Mrs. Brian, who's actually, I went to college with her. We happen to have the start of the, the school at the same time. Oh, cool. So I've been doing that now for four years over there as a orchestra director. And uh, I do the woodwinds for the beginner band stuff. Oh, cool. And I'll help out after school for like honor band rehearsals and competitions and stuff like that. That's cool. I, you know, I, I think a lot about your journey as a musician and like, 
you know, you talk to friends who are servers and they're like, oh, I worked here and I worked here and I worked here and like little by little moving up. I feel like you're kind of like a server version of a musician because I remember you used to play at SeaWorld with the Lagunatics. Yeah. Yeah. Can you describe what the Lagunatics was God. like? <laughs> okay, so it was pretty much any high school boy's <laughs> dream that was in band because you got paid to play music at a theme park, which you could ride the rides anytime you wanted to all day. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, there wasn't many rides at the time when yeah. I was there. I think there was like three. It was two roller coasters and that like the little thing you go in the water. I forgot what it was called. Rapid something. Oh, okay. You know what I'm talking about? Like a log ride? Yeah, like a log ride, yeah. Um, but anyway, so when I was there, I did that gig for about seven years too. So it was three years as Lagunatics where I – it was a brass band, uh, three percussionists, uh, snare, quads, or quince, with some like auxiliary stuff, and then bass drum as well, a lot of auxiliary cymbals attached to it. And then we had two trumpets, a trombone, and a saxophone, and then a tuba player that played sousaphone. And we walked around the park, played music for everybody. Uh, we had to do a choreograph, uh, dance moves to each piece oh, yeah. that we played. It was like a medley kind of thing. So it was like 20 minutes show where we danced, walked around uh, the park, and we had like it was kind of pseudo marching, but it wasn't because we didn't have an entire football field with five yeah. people or six people, whatever. So we, we used like a, a, I don't know, like a 30 foot circumference around us and we would dance and we have the kids do limbo with the trombone, <laughs> and, which was dangerous. Yeah. And, and then sometimes we'd, uh, we'd play for the, the sea animals. So we'd go play for the sea lions or they would go play for the orcas or you go play for the dolphins. Like it was a, a specific show just for them. There was no kids or anything around and they would actually come and swim up to us and like, they wouldn't dance necessarily, but they would move and yeah. they'd make sounds. Not knowing, I don't know if they were making like happy sounds, yeah. but they're making sounds <laughs> and it looked like they were happy. I don't know. Um, and yeah, I did that for a couple of years. And then on, uh, after the Lagunatics, they they wanted me as a side contractor with another uh, guy to put together an electronic group. Oh, cool. So I played Iwi. Uh, I had another guy that, that I hired because I was the main guy. I, eventually, it became like the, the lead, musician lead. Uh -huh. So I would hire all these people. Um, so I played Iwi, and then we had a guy play the Morrison Digital Trumpet. Oh, wow. Which was so, – so it's like a trumpet, and it has five different triggers plus – uh, that we could bend the note, modulate the note, go to different octaves, and then you had partials that you played with your left hand fingers. So it was like, if you know anything about brass instruments, I don't get anything about it. Like it doesn't <laughs> make any sense. But the guy that I hired, after like a couple of weeks, he figured out he was also a genius. You probably know him, Matt Hill. Um, he's a trumpet player here in town. Plays a lot with um, James Matthews and stuff like that. Okay. Or, anyways, so uh, then I hired a keyboard player. It was supposed to be playing guitar. But with the music that we were writing or arranging like Spain and all these Latin electronic stuff that was Chikoria style, we ended up putting the guitar on top and making a dual piano thing where he played bass with one hand and uh, chords with the other hand with all these synthesized patches. And then we had a drummer who was supposed to play like a, some kind of conga thing. Oh, wow. You know what I'm talking about? Like this, yeah. It's like a Roland 12 pad. It had six pads across and then like little rim pads on the other or outside you know what i'm talking about yeah so we play that and it looks stupid so we end up getting <laughs> so we end up getting foot pedals and like some extra symbols to plug into that specific unit i think and then it looked like a drum set but it was hidden behind these congas that they cut out like they bought brand new congas and bongos they cut them out and put digital stuff in it to make it <laughs> anyways i thought it was a waste of money but it, it looked cool on stage i guess 
And uh, same thing, 20-minute show, nonstop music, dancing and choreography. And uh, we had to arrange and write, at that point, all our own stuff. We didn't have anybody to get hired like they did before. The three years with Lagunatics, we had some guy fly out from um, Florida named Ron Ellis. And uh, we also had a high school director that was in town. I forgot his name, but um, the first year I did it. And he um, is now the like music direct music or the fine arts coordinator for Kofla at UTSA. Oh wow! So he went from Florida being the Disney World guy because he worked at Disney World yeah. in F, uh, SFU, whatever State Florida University or SF, FSU. I don't know what it's called. And then we put together that show with him, his help with the marching band kind of style, the dancing choreography. He got all the music together, arranged it for our stuff, and then then we would do recording sessions for the for the park every once in a while. Um, so yeah, that was like the whole experience at SeaWorld where I would just be there from, uh, eight, uh, 9 a.m., 8 a.m. We would get there on the weekdays, uh, 9 a.m. on the weekends and we'd go and wouldn't get home to like midnight Dang. sometimes because we had to clean up our own room. We had to, you know, be green. So we had to like throw over everything, wipe down everything, make sure it was ready for anybody else who's going to ever use our room. Cause we always had a green room of some sort. And then between gigs, we would work out. So we have eight <laughs> shows a day. And then between those shows, we'd either go run the perimeter on the outside where the employees walk, or we'd do P90X. Someone got a bootleg copy of that. <laughs> um, we would do yoga, uh, and, or we'd practice. We'd, 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 we'd like go somewhere else in the building or outside in the, in the parking lot somewhere and practice, and then we'd come back and do another show, uh, depending on how good our chops was and how how the weather was. Cause if we had to cancel a show cause of weather raining or something like that, we went and did that. Um, yeah, it was a lot of partying, a lot of yeah. playing, a lot of working out. I was in pretty damn good shape. Like I'm not going to lie. <laughs> um, and then that one time I got to play Barry Sachs out there because the two player got married and he had to go to his honeymoon and so I had to fill in for him while he was gone, and I had to learn everything from two apart to Barry Sachs. Oh, wow. And I cut my, my tongue playing it because I had to play so loud. Yeah. <laughs> so I actually had to spit out blood in front of a kid on accident. Oh, Because I had no idea it was in my mouth. <laughs> but I have, I have tons of Lagunatic stories. I can go all day with that. So yeah, you might want to ask me another question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I mean, this is one of the reasons why I want to have you on. Other than the fact that you're a talented musician and uh, you're a you. longtime friend. I, I, you know, we were talking about this when you got here before we started recording and you've got like this journeyman story of these different gigs and stuff. And we, one thing I forgot is like you were in a touring band, Fatback Circus mm. for a while. Yeah. How was that? So, uh, I only did it for like a year, uh, maybe a little over a year, a less year. I don't remember. It was a really vague year for me. Cause I remember I met the guys, the, the lead, the lead guys are twins, uh, Nathan uh, Campbell and uh, Aaron Campbell, and you couldn't tell them apart really. They were like identical, bald and everything. Like they were <laughs> like it was crazy. Um, but um, Nathan was the singer. Aaron was the guitar, the guitar player. And I met um, I met up with the the band up in Austin. Once they asked me if I could join it because I learned it from a guy that said they need a sax guy. They had this ska band that was coming up. They have an album. They just need to release it. But their saxophone guy that recorded with them left. So I'm not actually on the album. Oh, okay. Um, and, um, but they needed to promote the album. So 
I said, sure, I'll join the band. I had to learn all the parts, had to learn the solos. Other times they were like, uh, you play better, so just solo whenever you whatever you feel like rather yeah. than the ra- actual solo. But then sometimes they were like, there was a specific line that Nathan wrote out because he was a composition major at UTSA. Oh, cool. So a lot of the later stuff Nathan wrote, and it's like, it's amazing. Like, it's really beautiful. He has like this really... Um, like this kind of nuance to his to his personality it projects in his music that not many people can do especially in like a, from a classical standpoint because that's yeah. what he studied and he put it into an indie rock kind of platform slash ska and it was like it's crazy so i did a year with them that's where i met nothing more because uh, we did a little mini tour they were really good friends with the with the band and i would go up to austin twice a week for rehearsals um with the trumpet player i would write up with the guitar player and the lead singer you're in college still, right? I was in college, yeah. This yeah. was, uh, I want to say 2007. Okay. Yeah, so it was like two years. I was a sophomore in college. And um, I would drive up there with them. I would come back uh, later on that evening. Uh, we'd always stop at Whataburger on San Marcos, like off of 35. You know where that one is? Yeah. There's a specific one, by and the, that's the one we always went to. the outlets, right? Yeah. yeah. And back before I was... Uh, before. Uh, I was with the band. I was trying to be like very health conscious with what I ate. But then I joined the band. It was like monsters, Red Bulls, Slim Jims, and whatever cheap ass food or drink yeah. that would keep me up for this drive to Austin and back every day. And then rehearse like for hours. Um, and we went to, we, we toured to uh, Stillwater, Oklahoma, another place in, like a couple of places in Oklahoma. Then we did one in, um, Dallas at the House of Blues with nothing more. That was like a little mini tour that we did. We went to went to North Texas and we went to Oklahoma. It was like a three day weekend tour thing. It wasn't a real thing, but it was good. It was fun. It was like my first tour experience because, yeah. I mean, I saw some weird weird shit. Uh, <laughs> like, when, like for example, um, I hope he doesn't hate me if he ever hears this. But the bass player, when he gets drunk, he likes to climb shit. So <laughs> we were in we were at um, the twins' little brother Logan. Um, we had his apartment with his uh, with his buddy, and we were like drinking over. And I was underage, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wasn't driving. I was, I was going nowhere. Yeah. Anyways, right? So um, there was a sunroof kind of, or not a sunroof, but a sunlit thing. Like there was no lights in the living room. There was like this big opening that okay. had a like a, a window, and it let in natural light. I don't know how the fuck this guy got to it because the ceiling's about eight feet high and he's like shorter than me. And he got up in there. <laughs> we were like, where the fuck is he? <laughs> he's up in the fucking sunroof, like just chilling. He's like, guys, check this out. Help me down. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember one time he got on a tree at some other party and no one knew where he was. Like, he, that's the thing. He disappears and he's, he's just, everybody's like, where is he hiding? He's up in a tree somewhere like a cat. <laughs> um, but that was my experience with them. The music was great. Um, and uh, what is it? It's going to come up something else that that we talked about earlier about Fatback. Well, yeah, I remember you were talking earlier when you got here about uh, y'all played Jax and the power went out one oh, time. Oh, yeah. So uh, during my experiences, a lot of weird stuff happened. And I got to meet Nothing More. And at that time, we were at uh, we're doing a lot of stuff in San Antonio and Austin. Well, this one place, Jack Patio Bar and Grill, back at the original location. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, it was like Jones Maltzberger, right? So we did a show, opened up for them. We had another guy that came out from like Matchbox 20 or something like that. Oh, really? Yeah, some guy, random like guitar player from that group okay. that, <laughs> after they broke up, I guess, or I don't know. 
I think it was Matchbox 20. I want to say that, but it's probably not. If not, then you can fix that later in the edit, right? <laughs> um, some famous guy. And uh, then Nothing More shows up. And this is the same night, I think, that Johnny uh, was really into recording, like, really weird stuff or having live shows. Because, you know, Nothing More shows are really, like, intricate. Well, he tried to do, like, a surround sound thing. So he had, like, brought in extra speakers rather than just the house PA. And he hooked up this surround sound system so, like, his music would go literally around you. Not because it was all-encompassing. But because there was like a lot of panning effects that would go, oh, cool. like you would hear those the, the birds behind you, but then they come around to the side, like oh, that kind of like weird yeah. shit. He was really into that Pro Tool stuff. So, um, but then, like I said, it was like a two-hour show for them at the end of the night, and the power went out because it was a bad, act, like a horrible storm, and there was like a good number of people there. So Johnny decided to take off his, take down the drums from the stage, sit up in the middle of the floor and me and him kind of like joked about it. But then he went and did it. He's like, get your saxophone. And so me and him had an acoustic set, just jamming on drums and sax for like a good 45 minutes. Like it wasn't like a short one. It was like, it went on. And, um, it was like one of the most memorable experiences in being in that group, uh, as far as like experiencing it with someone else. Um, a lot of the stuff that we did, uh, we did in Oklahoma, actually. So uh-huh. it was weird to be an Austin-based band, but they're actually from Oklahoma, like all, th- all four of them. Okay. And the original band members. And um, they always had shows in Oklahoma, and they would always get paid for it. And I'd get paid for it, and I don't know how they did, but, you know, that's like a six-hour trip. Yeah. And you think about it, going up there, they had a place to stay because they had their parents and stuff like that and friends. And then we come back, and it was like, I don't know how they afford all that stuff. Yeah. And here's my top number one memory from being in that group. Um, we were asked to do a vegan Thanksgiving festival and it was actually in Avon, Phila- uh, Pennsylvania, like around Philly. Okay. So, um, the people that were hosting this huge vegan Thanksgiving festival kind of thing, um, they were on a, um, what do you call it? A sanctuary. Okay. And they, they offered to pay for everything. Place oh, to cool. stay. They rented, they helped, they paid us for the, the 12 passenger van that we took from Austin all the way up to Pennsylvania. It turned out to be a 26 hour drive because okay. a lot of the stops. Um, and then they, and I told them I had a, like a finals the next day because it was like towards like December or something like that that we did it. Or not December, no, like November, right? Yeah, so it had yeah. finals coming up and they offered to pay for my flight back. So we drove up there 26 hours. We did a show out there and met all the animals, like pigs, like everything. And then we, they just flew me back afterwards and I had the worst diarrhea ever. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, they, they gave us like these free vegan foot long subs. And, you know, back then, like 2007, veganism was still pretty, I mean, pretty new to people. Yeah. And so there wasn't a lot of products. They just had a bunch of spicy ass food. And so I just remember that, that flight back, I, <laughs> I was never in my seat and so, except for a takeoff and landing. I was in the porta potty, whatever you want to call that. So, but that was a really great experience. Um, that was one thing about that band. It wasn't just the music. It was like all the experience yeah. that came around being with those people and getting to know them and getting to, to be a part of their journey because it wasn't mine. I was just yeah. there to, to be for the, for the, the promotion. Cause after that they went in working on a new album while we're rehearsing and I would go just hang out downstairs at the house in Austin. And then after I was done with the, we were down with the album, they were pushing the new album. And I was done. That was, 
I was not like go, but they were like, yeah, we're gonna we gotta move forward. Yeah, and we're not gonna have any horns in this yeah, one. Yeah, get rid of so, the horn section. Yeah, yeah. Um, they went to. I remember you told me they went to high school with All American Rejects, right? Fuck yeah, I forgot about that. Okay, so <laughs> they have this on VHS. Um, <laughs> VHS, they're yeah. fucking old. So, um, they went to high school in in Oklahoma somewhere with Stillwater. I think, I think right? it was Stillwater, yeah. yeah. And they, um. They had a, I think it was like senior year high school or something. They were part of a talent show. They were still called Fatback Circus. And back then, they had like a real edgy, like Limp biscuit ska rock feel. It was kind of Red Hot Chili Peppers is from what I remember. Yeah, well, some, yeah. Yeah, something like that. Like it was very, like a lot of bass slap, uh, slap bass, whatever, and a lot of like stab horn section stuff and then rap singing. Oh, really? You know what I'm saying? It was like <laughs> yeah. a lot of rap singing. And then you had All American Rejects. That was that was them. They were all called our American Rejects at the time, and there's them playing, and they're like a couple bands apart for this yeah. like, Battle of the Bands talent show thing. Come to find out, Fatback Circus beat them. Oh, yeah. Like they won <laughs> the talent show, and my like American Rejects, like I guess, didn't do well or something like that. Obviously, and next thing you know, like they're best friends with the the bandmates, and they would go every time that All American Rejects would come in, they would tell me that we're canceling rehearsal because they would go hang out with them on the tour bus and. I remember that's when they told me about the volcano. You guys know what a volcano is? It's like some kind of like THC oh, like right. <laughs> balloon that like vapes into it and expands and then they wouldn't <laughs> hail the entire damn thing. It was like at least like 60 grams of weed just like into one balloon. They just pass it around. And I never did it, but it was just like, oh my gosh. Like, yeah. They're potheads. I didn't realize that because you think they're like emo, like rock kind of stuff and but no, they're, they're like their hardcore. eyes are always red. I, I knew I could tell. You could tell. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool though. I think it's awesome that like there's that connection and they still like they as big as they got, they still know where they came from and like they mm-hmm. still you know are friends and stuff. That's awesome, man. I, you know, that's, that's one of the things I wanted to talk about with you a lot. Just, you know, your, your kind of journey as a musician. And I think it's cool to, to see that. I remember Fedback Circus used to play San Antonio, and like when we were in high school, like they oh. played the Scott Explosions a lot. Oh yeah, the White Rabbit. Or yeah, well they played there, but they uh, Sam's Burger Joint. Yeah, used, they, every like last or either first or last Friday of every month mm-hmm. was Scott Explosion. When I was with the band, we did a couple Sam's oh, yeah? Burger Joint stuff. Yeah, I only only went to a couple because the girl I dated dragged me there, but I liked it. I had fun. I mean, you yeah. see bands that I mean, some of them are still you know like. Kevin Goes to College used to play that a lot. You're the one that introduced me to Kevin Goes oh, to really? College. I, you gave me that CD and I fucking lost it. I'm sorry. But I, I, you're the one that introduced me to Ska back in high school. Oh, yeah. yeah. I remember one time because we used to play in, in the band hall a lot. And we, I like the first guitar solo I ever learned was Santeria. Yes. And we used to play. And I remember like you kind of just, we were playing and you just like joined us. And you started like improvising on your sax. And you did like this little melody over and I thought it was so cool and I was so upset we never recorded it. Yeah. It was like me, you, uh, James like Alvarez. James Alvarez. Yeah. And then, um, didn't Carlton come in at some point and play piano or that was another time? Um, I think Joe Segovia was on bass. Okay. Yeah. Either maybe Tosin was involved. No, Tosin no? wasn't okay. there. I would remember that part. But, uh, but yeah, I used to have fun with that, man. That was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And now you're you're kind of you're in a cover band too, a '90s cover band. Yes, I'm in the cover band called The Return. Okay, um, '90s, early 2000s punk rock, alternative grunge kind of stuff. So uh, we'll do Gin Blossoms. Oh, yeah. 
I, I was listening to that oh, yeah. over here, so the first episode. Uh, and we'll we'll do some Nirvana. We'll do some um, uh, stuff from the nineties. Yeah. I just you can think out names, Tonic, uh, Semisonic, and all that kind of stuff. And um, you play at Flying Saucer a lot. We used to. But that doesn't happen anymore. Oh, okay. Um, I think because they just couldn't afford us. And I I didn't want to do that anymore. It was always, it was always on a Thursday. Three hours wasn't. Pay wasn't that great, but I mean it was a good experience. But it was always outside, no shade. Oh man, yeah. Um, I think we will still do like special events that they do out there. Like I know we did the, we just recently did the Saint Patrick's Day thing. They always have a big thing for that because you know Irish people. Yeah. So the flying saucer (laughs) is all about that. Um, Right now we're we're kind of at a at a low or a lull rather because because I don't know for some reason we just can't get our our schedules right. So the guitar. The lead guitar player, or I guess not the lead guitar, but the singer and the drummer that we hired that come with us, Aaron and Hav, they have a band together called the Rambling Souls, and okay. they're it's all original music. And so they went, they just did a Southwest tour, um, and they just came back from that earlier this August. And um, I don't know what what happened with that, but I know they both have jobs, so they had to come like keep their weekends yeah. to the jobs and so we couldn't really do more gigs together we have one coming up in september on the 14th but it's in Cibolo and at old main ice house and uh, that's also an outdoors gig but it's a covered uh, stage and it's nice and big outdoors um have an outdoor bar which makes it easier for me to go get a drink and um other than that we don't really play as much anymore as we used to we used to play like at least Three or four times a month. Oh, yeah. And now it's like once every two months or so. Okay. Yeah. But I, I really do love playing that band. I play bass in that band, and I run sound. I have almost have my own sound equipment that I bring out to everything. And That's cool. Yeah. So it's kind of fun to play bass, but also run the faders because I have a wireless uh, unit for my bass, so I can go around the public, do a little funky dance. That's people cool. like, cause, you know, my, my San Antonio C-roll roots and, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, all my stupid dances and shit. And so, um, that was what I would do with the, that's what I do with the band. That's so. cool. What are, what are some of the fa- your favorite songs to play? Um, Man in a Box. Uh, uh, we'll do Rage Against the Machine. So we'll do Bulls on Parade. Oh, yeah. And, motherfucker. Um, yeah. And then I forgot the other song that we do. That's okay. So one thing about me is I'm really bad about names. Yeah. If you start humming a song, I might catch up on it, but I can't think of it off the top of my head, especially after a three-hour gig outside today. My brain's not working as fast, so my solo today might be really bad. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) That's why we talk first. That way your your lips can kind of uh, gather up. Yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You know, it's funny. I I I forget about Alice in Chains a lot, and. I was in a 90s cover band, and we never even talked about playing Alice in Chains. And then you think about, like, Lane Staley's voice is just so hard to replicate. It really is. He's got a color to it. Yeah. And it's it, really, like, it's it's very vibrant. Like, there's a lot of vibration in his voice. Yeah. And you can hear through it because he's not forcing it, but he's got, he's got like, a, what do you want to call it? It's not throaty, but it's it's nasally at the same time. So it's like, oh, like yeah. you know, I don't know. It sounds like a door opening, but, like, in perfect tune. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, yes, indeed. It's nuts, man. And then when they when he died and they replaced him, it just wasn't the same. No. Um, but yeah, man, I, I think it's it's cool that that you know you're doing that, and uh, you know, like I said, your your journey as a musician is just, it's it's something that like it's it's envious. And I'm envious of it because because it's it's so cool to see you have all these experiences and like like to add to your resume and everything. 
Yeah, it's a pretty big resume, but it's really unuseful right now. <laughs> I mean, it's it's cool if they ever if you when you finally hit it big, your biopic will be actually interesting. Right, <laughs> it's not going to be like oh he played for them, he met them. Oh now they have a band, you know. <laughs> right, right. No, there won't be drugs involved in like it cartels would be, and stuff. It'd be a it'd Netflix be, miniseries. It would be right eight like, episodes, <laughs> one episode for the Lagunatics. <laughs> yeah, Alex is new black or something. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, so like you said, I have, I have, I've been through a lot of weird stuff. I've been in uh, so many bands, I can't remember the names of the bands anymore. That's the weird thing about my uh, my career right now is that my resume is very, very long, and I have a lot of people in San Antonio that I played with that are just in so many other bands. So I not only have connection with one band, but I have another connection to another band. So I'll get hired from from uh, word of mouth yeah not even from like a youtube channel thing that i make or my instagram or facebook they'll just like hey this guy plays and he's available call him up and they vouch for me which is really nice to have like i'm i feel like i'm pretty blessed to have um a word of mouth yeah kind of like um fame you guess you would say like it's not really famous but people will say oh i know that guy yeah i played with him uh at this random place and that's the one thing I want that was like a steady thing, but I really like the fact that I can go anywhere and be like, oh, yeah, we played this one time together. And I'm like, yeah. oh, yeah, sure we did. I don't remember that, but I was probably drunk or I don't know. Well, it's a cool community, man. I It's funny you say that because I was at 1919 a couple of years ago and I was talking to the bartender. And I think we had just left Hell at the Moon. Oh. And he was like, oh, my buddy Alex works here. I'm like, Alex Sutherland? He's like, yeah. I'm like, yeah, I went to high school with him. No it's shit. so nuts. Yeah, I don't remember the guy's name. He was a bartender in 1919. Maybe he was a bartender at Hell at the Moon or something. Probably. But, uh, I remember some guy that worked at 1913s. Um, he would do both, actually. Oh, really? So, was it Sergio? I don't know. Oh, okay, well, there was it. a long, yeah. But it was, it's just so nuts. It's, it's funny. You hear you name, name checking all these people, and it's, it's like, it's cool that, that there is this community. I mean, you, you're growing up in high school and like talking about like the music scene as kids. And it's still like it's just like an adult music scene, and mm-hmm. it's cool that you can can go off a of word of mouth, and and you know there's that trust there. You know, I mean, you're obviously a talented musician, so like Thanks, man. they know. Oh yeah, dude, I, I'm going to say that like a hundred times in this no. podcast, but um, but yeah, I mean, I, you've you've put into work, and you know the, the journey that you've gone on is, is it's pretty cool to hear about. Thanks, man. Appreciate um, it for sure, man. Um, you know, uh, you had a trio at one time, like a jazz trio. So I did have a I had my own band in college uh, that started around the same time as in like right after Fatback Circus, around the same time uh-huh. as them. And no, it was two thousand seven. It was around the same exact time, and it was called Alex Sutherland Project. And the only reason why we called it that, it was actually a six, six seven piece band, six mm-hmm. piece band, yeah, six piece. And reason why we called it that because we found out there was a talent show. At UTSA, it was called oh, yeah. UTSA's Got Talent. See, a lot of things are out around talent shows. Yeah. Just saying. <laughs> Everybody should be in a talent show. Um, and I had a gu- bunch of guys that I played with at the UTSA Jazz Ensemble, and we were just always jamming together. I put together a club before that because there wasn't a jazz program at UTSA. There was classes you could take about jazz composition, performance, theory, but there wasn't a degree or anything. And so um, I decided to start a club, and I, I talked to the – the secretary at the Kofla office said, hey, can I reserve this room from this time to this time, like two hours, to just have a jam session. The first time I did it, maybe like five people showed up. Next time I did it, it was like 20. And then it had a line. It was almost like jazz karaoke. Awesome. People would just like bring in their instruments and jam. And the good thing about UTSA at that time, in that particular room, they had a bunch of instruments they would just lend to you. 
because uh, they had a huge cage of percussion equipment and the p- they had two pianos there. And so it was really nice to kind of go through those motions. And then I got with some guys from the UTSA Jazz Ensemble that would come to the jam sessions. And we put together a little like jam group. Like we always met up at that point, like uh-huh. separately. And uh, we found out about this jazz, uh, not this jazz, but this talent show deal. And uh, we needed to put in an entry like the day of we found out about it. <laughs> so it was like, I think I found out about it like middle of the day. We were between classes. The guitar player came up to me and said, hey, I found out about this talent show. We should probably do it. And Derek Mendez. And I told him, okay, cool. But he's like, we need to have a name. And so I, I was, at that time, I didn't have like an iPhone or anything like that. So I, I would call him up. I didn't have text messaging either. So I would like literally, <laughs> I feel old. So I would really call him up and like, hey, we got this thing. When I try doing it, and no one would say anything. So me and Derek was sitting there and we could have just dropping down stupid names. And I was like, uh, this and that. And then Alex Southern Project came up at one point. I'm like, okay, let's just do that. It's quick because it was like the next yeah. hour was due. <laughs> like we just ran over there. And then the next uh, two days went by and we went and did the talent show at the downtown campus, I think. Yeah. And um, we ended up winning. So we got a $100 gift card at Best Buy. Oh, cool. And um, ended up like a plaque. I don't even know where that plaque is. It's probably gone <laughs> somewhere. Um, but yeah, we, we did a version, uh, a hip-hop version of uh, Dancing on the Ceiling, which is a jazz standard. Oh, okay. So that was like our thing. We'd like to, we liked to do a lot of that time, a- ASP we called it, a lot of like remixing uh, or mashing up uh, yeah. jazz standards with other poppy tunes or like um, more modern feels. Like, you know, we do like fusion kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, we really like try to do our own arrangement. And I had a few songs that I wrote or tunes that I wrote in the bass uh, Brent Ferguson wrote, who's now Dr. Brent Ferguson. And, and um, James Matthews helped me write some lyrics for some of those tunes. And he would sing. Guy was buttery smooth, James. And he played trombone. Uh, Michael Carey was on drums. We had uh, Carlos Sainz on piano, and that was the six, sextet, cool. I think. Yeah, pretty much. And then Derek Mendez on guitar, of course. And then we opened up for um, the – I forgot now his name. Our first gig was opening up for the U- for UTSA. Um, after the talent show, they hired us to do a gig for this uh, UTSA's ta- uh, Jazz Night Alive. It was like a little bit – and it was like in April. It was like uh-huh. offset of what, you know, Jazz Essay Alive was in yeah. September. So we did this thing at downtown campus and we opened up for this Latin Grammy Award winning saxophone player. And I can't remember the freaking name now. It starts with S or something. Saxophone player too. And he even, I was going to bring my own equipment, which is at the time like this Hambrig 40 watt mixer, powered mixer with two speakers, you know, really crappy. It was still at my, <laughs> my house. And he's like, no, use mine. So we had like these EV speakers and like everything was like 12,000 watts or wow. some shit. And so like, okay, cool. I can get, I can use this guy's mics and equipment. Um, and after that, like we started doing more gigs for UTSA and in our own. We used to play at Luna Fine Music Club and we would play it um, as a trio at special events that UTSA, like at that point we were like the UTSA band. It was like even, it wasn't anymore like a, a club band that's like cool. to go to any venue we would just do events and sponsored by utsa so they would pay us that's awesome yeah it was really good money too um i really missed all the people i played with and at, at one time our biggest gig that we ever did i had to put together an 18 piece big band and under my name but the problem with that is you have to have music for it <laughs> yeah so you have to have like a whole trumpet section a trombone section and you can't just play 
like you can't just buy music and play it because yeah. otherwise I'd be broke. So what I did, because uh, I was a college student, still working uh, at SeaWorld on the summer only and then working Banana Republic like during the school year, yeah. <laughs> retail. Um, or at that time, I, get, I was also bussing tables over at Kona Grill at Alcantara. Oh, for real? <laughs> yeah, for real. Isn't that lame? Um, is that place even around? I thought it closed down I, too. I didn't get hired to be a busser. I had to take a quiz and I failed it apparently. <laughs> really? To be a busser? Yeah. Holy shit. I thought you were Ravenclaw. Uh, <laughs> but anyways, so um, we did, a, I had to do an 18 piece big band deal. And so I took a lot of, I took my real book and I was like, what songs can I arrange myself? So I was already taking a composition arrangement course then. And I decided to make my own arrangement for everything. So I had I had rock I had like a rock with you from Michael Jackson. I wrote my oh, own arrangements cool. for that. We covered some other songs um, that I wrote arrangements for. And I still have all by hand. It was like not on the computer finale and note flight or notepad or Sibelius, where those programs were. At that time, I was poor, so I really I bought some manuscript paper for like this five hundred page manuscript paper book, and I would rip out the page and I would write trumpet one like yeah. all this stuff where I write just like or I write literally all three all four parts in harmony or whatever and write it like stacked on top of each other so that the people I hired to play with me had to be able to read like that stuff so we yeah. had a couple rehearsals and I mean um, the fact that we got to, to play and at that time we got to play before the Pearl historic Pearl thing became like a thing we, were, yeah. we played at the, the stables and oh, it was cool. like a private UTSA uh, donors event and so my first big deal had a whole big band set up my first time playing my arrangements in front of live people. And I got a huge like reaction out of it. That's and awesome. I thought that ASP was going to be the shit like the next Michael Buble, but just horns, you know? And, um, like I said, James would, would sing too. So we would cover some songs like fever and stuff like that. And he would sing on it and he was a good singer too. And he still is. Um, but now it's come down to myself yeah. Like it went from a six piece to like an 18 piece back to like a six piece. Then it went to a trio and now it's just me. So I've been trying to find people to play with and, and collaborate with. But at the moment on my Instagram page, you saw that I'm just covering and writing songs yeah. all my own. Thankfully I can play a lot of these yeah. instruments and I've been practicing a lot more how to play them um, and how to record. You know the crappy part about those recordings? So the, the drums are MIDI. So it's a piano. That's fine, right? Yeah. You can get like good samples out of that. I'm using a headset for my microphone. Oh, really? The Skull Candy headset that I bought for like $10 <laughs> at Walmart. And that's my microphone. And it sounds pretty badass, though. Like, I, I don't know how it works, but it's on my iPad. And it just I just record it straight off there. So, yeah, it's a lot of work, but it's fun. I wish ASP was still a thing, but I think right now it's going to be me for a while yeah mm-hmm. well i mean it's cool i like the stuff you put on i mean your your instagram is, is fun to watch even like it's called busking when you do all the instruments is that what it's called or uh no that that is just covering like oh just okay yeah, yeah. that's just covering but busking is where you play out play your music in front of people but you don't get hired for it like oh, you just show okay. up somewhere in the public that's a public space and oh okay I'm that's dumb. what you get <laughs> no it's okay you're not dumb it's, some people don't know things and you didn't know that that's not dumb should have asked you before we started recording <laughs> <laughs> it's okay trust me i teach kids and they think they know more than i do and i, t- and I tell them they're wrong but then they tell me stuff that i'm supposed to know and i'm like oh i feel dumb but i just didn't know about it so yeah. it's okay man it happens <laughs> 
So um, I, I know I've seen you. You've played with your your wife before, like singing. Yeah. So um, ASP became a duet for a while. That's cool. <laughs> so it was just me and my wife. Uh, same thing that I'm doing now, backing tracks. Um, and we used to do that two steppies. Okay. Um, I don't know if you know where that's at. It's like sixteen right to four Mandera, right? Yeah. No, no. Or uh, uh, Braun. Braun. Okay. The other beat. Yeah. Line. And um. We used to do that every Friday night for about an hour and a half, two hours. And it was just me and her uh, bringing out my sound system. And uh, she would sing. I would play to accompany her. And then other times it would just be me playing so she could take a vocal break. Or, you know, she's a teacher too. So she would actually go out there and grade papers between oh, songs yeah. and stuff. So, um, and a lot of the times you had to work on. It was What was beautiful to me about that was I got to in, spread. Uh, my love of music, not only by myself with like without having to worry about other people, but with my wife, who I truly love. Yeah, and sh- we would spend a lot of time together rehearsing. It was rough though because it, if you think about it, when you guys rehearse with anybody, especially for any any amount of time you stay in one room, yeah. there's going to be some kind of conflict. So we will get into fights sometimes about tempo or oh, really? <laughs> like key that we're in, or if it's too high, or if it's too difficult to replicate the song, and and so that would come around me once in a while but we always went, got through it and um it became a thing where uh we got a photo fo- had to get a photo shoot done and we got hired to play at buddy v's uh oh, cool. at La before it closed down yeah and we played there three so like we played there three nights a week or no two day two nights a week then we played at f- friday evening over at two steppies and then sunday afternoon we play at uh buddy v's again so we had four we literally played from like August to December, four nights a week. Wow. And that was, and while we're teaching. On top of teaching, yeah. On top of teaching. And you guys live in like Cibolo, so it's And it was a in Cibolo, drive. yeah. So <laughs> like it's a half an hour drive. Yeah. So overall, like an hour drive total every day. Um, even to La Quintera because that's terrible traffic. Six yeah. Before it, how long has this city been around and you still can't figure out the fucking traffic for 1604 and 410? Like what the hell? They keep on adding new stuff, man. I don't get it, man. I'm trying to be like Austin. <laughs> Too much. Um but yeah, I really I I I miss doing that. We don't do that anymore. We're gonna be doing that for a, an old 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 friend of mine that I knew back in elementary school. Oh really? Uh, we're gonna do his wedding. Like the, he's ex-military, he's retired, but him and his wife got married while he was in the service, but never got the money to do an actual wedding. Oh cool! And now that he's retired and he has like some stuff, he's gonna be doing um, another wedding, and he wants us to play. And so that's gonna be our our. I think the last time we did a duet together was back in February. Oh, okay. And so this is the first time we're going to do a duet again since February. And That's collaborate. cool, mm-hmm. That's really awesome. I think it's cool to to be able to do that, like, you know, mm-hmm. as, as a couple and, like, you know, share that together. Yeah. I never thought about, like, the problems that could arise because yeah I, I, and she knew she's such a smart woman and that's why i married her but she knew this was going to happen so she always keeps a level head because women think yeah. way better than men do yeah. like it's to be honest like they just they can they can have more compartments open in their mind going at once than we can because we're compartmentalized we think one way but women can have like 10 different microsoft windows open yeah. running at the same time <laughs> and still the cpu will still be at 100 percent, like running no problem yeah sorry that was a nerd thing but <laughs> no man yeah so um so yeah we're, we're running we're kind of reaching the end of uh, the podcast here oh, damn. uh no this was great man <laughs> i this was fun to talk about and um uh, do you have anything to plug? I know you talked about your Instagram. Do you have like your YouTube channel and everything? Uh, well, I do have a teacher YouTube channel. It's called oh, cool. Mr. Sutherland's, uh, or just Mr. Sutherland. 
So it's my kids. If you want to learn to play like violin, cello, bass, ukulele, like oh, that's those awesome. kind of things. I put out videos for my kids, uh, not with my kids because of you know, yeah, um, Ferpa and stuff like that. So, do so you have them um, practice with your YouTube videos and stuff? Yeah, that's so I, awesome. I, I man. make videos where I play along with them, and they have the music right there with them, and or they can. Um, uh, learn to play like certain songs or whatever for their tests because they you know I play, do a lot of playing tests and so yeah. sometimes they don't have the technology at home to to or the time rather to play or practice uh-huh. anything so they can at least hear it on their parents YouTube uh, phone or whatever and practice along with did that. Did you think of that yourself or did you get that idea for that? That's a um, great idea. Well, I kind of thought about it myself, but it was going into that that I thought about it because I got it from Time, which is a Texas. Oh, not Texas. Technology and Music Education. Oh, okay. And they always do a pre-conference for teachers, uh, Texas Music Education Association, TMEA. You know about TMEA? Yeah. TAF is still doing that, by the way. (laughs) The TAF band boosters are still doing the security for that, which is really funny. Um, (laughs) But anyways... um, uh, So, yeah, I go to that that time conference all the time. I pay out of my own pocket. The district doesn't pay for that. And I just learn all this technology for music stuff. And I got some ideas about... From uh, about like a, how to do like a flip the classroom kind of stuff, if you're familiar with that, where you can literally teach a lesson and then record that whole lesson and have them re go through over that lesson again at home. So that's what I would do. I would like go over the steps. I would play the exercise for them and I go over the steps, how we learned it in class. And then they would do the same thing in case they forgot. Or I do it a different way. So because people learn differently, you know, differentiation, we call that in the teaching world. So, so that's my music. That's my my YouTube channel for teaching, my personal one is Alex Sutherland Project, and Instagram, Alex Sutherland Music, Facebook, both ASP, or Alex Sutherland Project, now Alex Sutherland Music, so, um, yeah, just hit me up, like me, follow me. Cool, do you, do you have me. any show, um, <laughs> <laughs> No, don't do that. <laughs> this, uh, so this is going to be airing probably at the end of September. Do you have any shows after that? Uh, September 14th Perfect. is my old main Ice House gig. And Sibilla with the return, okay. Playing the oh yeah, that's right. The punk rock stuff, and um, that's it as far as like scheduled gigs. There's a lot of them that come up and like depending on whether they just get canceled. So I don't even want to mention them, okay? Because right now we're in a we're in a dry spell, so you know when September comes around, it's gonna be fucking raining all the time. Yeah, so, yeah. And I don't want to be like, oh yeah, that gig's canceled, but yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. So that's it for now. All right, Other cool. Just busking. Well, hey. Uh, Thanks again, man. Um, we really appreciate you coming on. Um, coming up next, we have Alex Sutherland playing Sonny Rollins, St. Thomas. Cool.